Christ. All right, well, let's open with a word of prayer and let's dig into the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. We ask, Lord, now as we go to your word, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. The words of man are a waste of time, so I pray that I would decrease, that your spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. Give us ears to hear what you would say to us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So if you've been coming, or if you haven't been coming, by way of reminder, we've been looking at the life of Solomon for the last uh, about two and a half months. And Solomon is such an enigma to me, like many people in scripture, because he's kind of like us, right? He's a man that's got godly wisdom, and he's also a man who struggles. And we're going to see next week it all fall apart. We're going to start to see it falling apart tonight. So Solomon, when he was asked by God for anything that he wanted, he asked for wisdom. So God gave him wisdom. But we'll see that Sol- we've seen that Solomon's been wise when it comes to other people's lives, but he's struggling in his own. He's able to give godly counsel to other people that come to him looking for wisdom, but in his own life, he doesn't apply it. And sadly, there's a lot of Christians like that, where we feel like we can tell other people how to live their life, but then we don't live it ourselves. And and it's just tragic. And so last week we saw to obey is better than sacrifice. Take heed lest ye fall. Be a man or a woman of the word. Be faithful to what God has given you. Use your gifts to minister to others. Make worship a priority. Stay humble, broken, and desperate. Now tonight, we're going to see that as, as King Solomon's fame grows, he becomes very famous, very well known, because he is so wise that people begin to travel great distances to see King Solomon. We're going to see a queen tonight travel 1,200 miles plus each way just to, to ask Solomon for answers, to quiz him, to find out about his wisdom. Now, keep in mind, 1,200 miles, uh, maybe on a camel or a horse, uh, I don't even, a 1,200-mile flight can wear you out, amen? So imagine 1,200 miles. It could have taken her a couple of months to get there. She came with an entourage. But she's going to come this great distance to seek wisdom from Solomon. Sadly, though, Solomon has allowed all this attention that even though the wisdom he knows comes from God, he's began to allow it to take his eyes off the Lord and start taking some of the credit for himself. And by the time we get to the end of of next week's chapter, we're going to see Solomon's dies. So if you read ahead, I just gave it away, okay? But uh, read ahead. He dies at the end of the next chapter, and he falls apart between now and the end of the next chapter. And it begins tonight, and we'll see it in tonight's text. So I tell the, ma- the message, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses, I should say loses, his own soul? It was interesting tonight, I have a Zoom meeting on Thursday. Of course, they moved to Thursday nights, my boss. So it's Thursday night from 4.30 to like 6. So that it makes it a little tough on me sometimes. But they were talking about the guy who ever heard of Zappos, right? It's a shoe, right? And the guy is worth $800 million. He's a young guy and he got trapped in a building and he died in a fire like, like two weeks ago. And they were all talking about how this guy was worth $800 million and now he's dead. And of course, I said, well, I know a verse that pertains to that. What is a prophet of man? If he gains the whole world, loses his own soul. Because the reality is that once you die, you're going to stand before Almighty God. And the amount of money you had in your bank accounts could be absolutely irrelevant. All the things you think that were important in this life, everything that you've accomplished. And Solomon makes the guy who's worth $800 million look like a pauper. Because he's going to be the richest man on the planet by the time we get to the end of this chapter. But guess what? 
Again, without the Lord, what is a prophet of man who gains the whole world, loses his own soul? Number two, number first point we're going to make. And by the way, when you look at these points, I always try to make them applicational. So I teach inductively. If you're new to the church, what that means is, what does it say? What does it mean? How does it apply to my life? Deductive is when you take a, a topic like love of God, and then you go all over the Bible looking for verses about the love of God. Again, there's nothing wrong with that kind of a message. The problem is you got to make sure every verse is in context. You know how you assure that every verse is in context? You teach right through the whole chapter. Amen? And so inductive Bible study is what does it say? What does it mean? How does it apply to my life? So usually when you read the outlines, they're applicational. So I try to have the outline where you go home and it's got something that you can take with you and apply to your own life. So number one, you don't have to advertise a fire. One of my youth pastors used to, my old assistant pastors in Santa Cruz, we, we, were, we would move from building to building, and some of them were really hard to find, and we would always be concerned, are we going to lose people? And he used to always say, you don't have to advertise a fire. You know, when God's at work, people are going to show up. Can I get an amen? amen. When God's at work, uh, God, will, God will draw people into himself, and we're going to see tonight that people are traveling literally from all over the known world just for an audience with King Solomon. The words of wisdom that can only come from the Lord will draw people to the truth. Number two, happy is the man or woman who walks in intimate fellowship with the Lord. You know, there's nothing greater than intimate fellowship with God. If your life is missing something, let me clue you in. It's not more money. It's not a relationship. It's not a bigger house. It's not the degree you're trying. None of those things necessarily are wrong. What I'm telling you is that will not in and of itself ever satisfy you because your flesh will never be satisfied. The only way you're going to be satisfied is if the Holy Spirit of the living God who created you comes to live inside of you after you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen to that? There's nothing else this world can do. There's nothing else you can accomplish that will ever satisfy you apart from a relationship with the Lord. True happiness comes from knowing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Point number three, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Guys, we don't give God the rest, we give him the best. Can I give an amen to that? And we're going to see in tonight's text that that's not the case, unfortunately, with King Solomon. Number four, from wisdom and riches to riches and wisdom. In verse seven, it talks about, in describing King Solomon, that he's a man of wisdom and riches. By the time we get to verse 23, it talks about him being a man of riches and wisdom. Because what has happened is he's become so enamored with making money and so enamored with his wealth that the Lord has taken second place. Anything you put before God in your life is a false idol that needs to die. Can I get an amen to that? You know, he's have no other gods before me, no graven image. If there's anything that you're allowing to take the place that the Lord deserves on the throne of your life, do what you need to get rid of it. Number five, salvation is a free gift. Christ-centered ministries focus on people, not profits. Can I get an amen to that? And, uh, and the reality is that too often today we see ministries that are driven like, a, they're like a business. I remember when I planted a church in Santa Cruz, uh, there was a very well-known pastor that was in town at the time and I had lunch with him and he told me, I feel more like a CEO than a pastor. And I think he was shocked when I fired back at him, whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? Why do you feel like a CEO? Well, I got so many things going on and, you know, I, I barely meet my people and I have to meet. A, I said, that's your fault. You need to change that. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. Ministry is about people. 
The only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. When people ask me my philosophy of ministry, they think because I've been a pastor 30 plus years that I've got this, you know, some kind of 12 page, it's six words. Most of you know it. It's, what is it? Uh, one of my, my pastor, one of my assistant pastors knows, nobody else in the building knows. Here, preach the word, love the people. There it is. There's the philosophy of ministry. Preach the word, teach the whole counsel of God without compromise. Don't apologize for it. Preach it in love. Do it with boldness and love the people. My heart is that you guys would be the most loved and best fed people anywhere. And that's my heart. And that's the focus of this entire ministry. Everything we do is to minister to you, to preach, to share God's word with you, to equip you to do the work of the ministry, and to make sure you know how loved that you are. By the way, if you come back more than once, you gave me permission to give you a hug, so you're getting one. Can I get an amen? And then finally, number six, may we never be successful, so successful that we cease to be desperate for God. We can get to the place where we feel like we've made it, and now we don't need the Lord anymore. And we may not even, we may not think that out loud, but our actions will show it. Where we used to get on our knees and pray and cry out to God, and we used to be in places of desperation. Now maybe we've got enough money in the bank and we've got a good enough job and we, you know, we're married and the kids are doing well. And we look at our life and we cease to be desperate. And guys, I'll tell you what, the thing I pray for you and I pray for me, is, Lord, don't ever let me get to a place where I cease to be desperate for you. Amen? I don't want a dollar more. If, I have to, if there's one dollar more that's going to keep me desperate, take that dollar away. Can I get an amen? If it's my health or whatever it might be, Lord, do what you need to do in my life to keep me humble, broken, and desperate. So let's begin there. What is a prophet of man? To gain the whole world, lose his own soul. You don't have to advertise a fire. Look what happens here in verse 1. It says, Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon... Concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. So the word comes to the queen of Sheba. It's where modern day Yemen is. It's on the Arabian coast. And, and depending on the, the way she was able to come, it was at least 1,200 miles away. Many commentators think it was closer to 1,500. So imagine that you heard that there was somebody in, uh, I, don't have, I don't know what's 1,500 miles. I should have looked. Uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, right? Or, you know, Denver, Colorado, I think it's 1,100 miles. So further than that, and you just get on a horse and start riding and hoping that when you get there, you can get in front of this person and ask them questions because this person is so wise. So she's no doubt traveling, probably took certainly weeks and maybe months. And along the way, no doubt she's formulating questions that she has. If you're going to sit in front of the wisest person in the world, you probably have questions, and it may have been about her own kingdom. A lot of times, too, we know in those days, they would bring riddles to test people to see how wise you really were. And she may have been doing that as well. But she's traveling 1,200 miles for an opportunity, 1,200 miles plus, a couple of months. By the way, you've been to the Middle East? A uh, little on the warm side. Can I get an Amen. So not only are you traveling, you're not sitting in your air-conditioned car listening to Christian music, amen? You're, you're bopping down the road on the back of a camel or a horse, and you know what? It's burning hot outside, and you're willing to do all of that. Now, here's what I thought of immediately when I saw what she did. I thought, how sad is it that this ungodly pagan woman was willing to travel 1,200 miles because she heard the wisdom God had given Solomon, but as Christians... 
Sometimes we won't even drive a mile to go to church. Amen? Now, you're here on a Thursday night, so I'm really probably not talking to you. But some of you at home right now, hello. <laughs> you know I love you, okay? But the reality is that, you know, 1,200 miles to hear from King Solomon, hopefully, and traveling this great distance and bringing this huge dowry. We're going to see how much money she brings as gifts to Solomon in hopes of just talking to him. And you know, the veil's been torn and we can talk to the creator of the universe anywhere and anytime. Can I get an amen? Do you know, the, you know one of the greatest things in the world? You ready? Here it is. One of the greatest things in the world. One of my favorite things in the world. You guys drink coffee, I don't. So for me, it's a Coca-Cola, right? Sitting out in my backyard at my little table out there, maybe with a couple pieces of toast and a, something to drink and my Bible. And watching the sun come up and hanging out with Jesus. Can I tell you, that's better than anything this world has to offer. Can I get an amen? Just that intimate time of fellowship with the Lord. And here she is traveling 1,200 miles, but some of us won't get up half an hour early to hang out with God. Guys, we've lost sight of what a blessing it is, what a privilege it is that we get to have intimate fellowship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? So she's traveling 1,200 miles to see Solomon. Sheba is modern-day Yemen, as I mentioned. She hears of Solomon's wisdom. Well, you know your wisdom's pretty strong when it travels 1,200 miles and there's no internet. Can I get an amen to that? There's no, there's no uh, media. You know, the word just travels as people begin to hear of the wisdom of Solomon as he judges people. And the queen is going to come to test his, not only his wisdom, but I believe also his character and his integrity. Part of what would happen, I believe, is why she came. She's a very wealthy woman herself. And she is looking for a trading partner. And there's nobody more wealthy than Solomon on the planet. And she's coming to him to not only question him as far as his wisdom and to learn from him if possible, but she also wants to find out if he's somebody that she could enter into business with. And she wants to find out if he has character and integrity. And then it says there, verse two, she came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue with camels that bore spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So she came to Jerusalem and she's got this entourage of people with you. And again, keep in mind, she's one of the most wealthy and powerful people on the planet. Usually people come to her. Usually people want to do business with her. Usually people are traveling great distances to see her. So how, 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 much, did, how much was she stirred how hungry was she to talk to Solomon that someone who usually people approached her, that she left the palace and she came down from the palace and she jumped on the back of a horse or a camel and, and, and loaded up this great amount of wealth. We're going to talk about how much it was worth. By the way, it's going to blow your mind. She brings gifts worth over $200 million just so she can talk to Solomon for a little while. So she's bringing these great riches. She's traveling this great distance when it usually people come to her. But I believe that the queen knows that something's missing. Why would you travel that far if you didn't know something was missing? So the queen, she comes prepared. 
with gold and spices and precious stones as, as gifts for Solomon. She's intrigued by him. She leaves her place of comfort. She travels to the desert heat. She was willing to leave again her comfort, expose herself for months to the harshness of the desert. And by the way, it's not just 1,200 miles, it's 2,400 miles, so she's got to go back home. Amen? So that's like traveling from here to the East Coast almost. And again, doing it in the heat of the day. And again, how much are you willing to endure for your Savior? She was willing to travel 2,400 miles in the heat of the sun just to, stand, to not meet the Messiah, but to someone who knows the Messiah. It even says it back there in verse 1, speaking about the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. See, his fame was only great because his God is great. Amen? And she's coming to hear the words of wisdom. And then she says there, uh, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So no doubt, again, after traveling so far, she was prepared with many questions, possibly riddles, along with questions about situations she might have been facing in her own kingdom, areas where she lacked understanding and wisdom. And again, she traveled that far. How much are we willing to endure for our Savior? And again, I'm not picking on people. I talked to a couple people this week that are staying home because of the jobs they have. They're staying home and watching on live stream because they have jobs where they interact with a lot of older people and they want to be conscientious of that. And God bless you. You need to do what you're convicted to do. Amen. But at the same time, if you're staying home because of fear, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to walk around petrified. Our God is greater still. And so she's traveled this great distance. And now it says in verse three, so Solomon answered all her questions, and there was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. This God-given wisdom, there was nothing he couldn't answer. Now, as wise as Solomon was, who's wiser than Solomon? The Lord, Almighty God. And there's nothing too difficult for God to answer. Can I get an amen to that? And she traveled all that distance to get wisdom from a man who knew God, and we can speak directly to God. And you know what? And there's nothing we pray for. There's nothing we ask for. There's nothing we bring to him that he cannot answer. Now, he doesn't always answer it the way we want him to, but he will answer the way that will bring him the most glory and draw us closest to him. And that should be enough. Can I get an amen? amen. He may say no to what you want. He may not give you the thing that you desire. Maybe that thing you desire is going to take your eyes off of him and put your eyes on the world. And the Lord loves you enough to tell you no. So Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Now keep this in mind. I keep saying this because when we get to the end of this chapter and next week's chapter, you're going to think, by the way, he wrote a lot of the book of Proverbs. He wrote Ecclesiastes. I mean, he wrote a lot of song of, song of what? Solomon. He's got books in the Bible. And we're going to see next week the tragedy that even somebody who knows a lot about God, or may have even seemed to have a relationship with God, the, the, the end of your life shows where your heart really is. Amen? You can walk with God for a moment. My dad, my dad and I, who's now in heaven, used to always finish every phone call. Finish strong. Amen? And we need to finish strong for the kingdom of God and for his glory. So the queen comes, and now I want to say this. You're going to see in a second here. A lot of times when you hear about people, they get puffed, they get puffed up pretty big. And then when you finally come to see them, you're like, yeah, that wasn't as what I thought. 
you know, go to this concert. These guys are amazing. You go, yeah, it wasn't that great. And go to this restaurant. It's amazing. Yeah, food wasn't that good. You know, and, and there's this disappointment that can take place, and especially when it comes to people. Well, she travels this great distance, and she was blown away. She had heard of the wisdom of Solomon. She had heard how mightily God had been using him. And when she gets there, she's blown away by how wise Solomon is. Look what it says. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and his entryway, which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. After talking to King Solomon and hearing the counsel that he gave and then seeing how God had blessed him so richly and seeing just how every, by the way, when he fed people, he fed 16, he had 16,000 people that were quote in his household that he fed every meal. So when they had a meal, there were 16,000 people being fed. And when the queen of Sheba saw the temple and then she saw the house in which he dwelt. And then she saw the apparel of how everyone was dressed. And then she saw how the servants were. And she saw all of it, recognizing that the wisdom of Solomon that came from Almighty God had allowed all this to happen. When she saw all of it, it says there at the end of the text that her spirit, there was no more spirit in her. She got the wind knocked out of her. She was overwhelmed and amazed looking at the greatness of of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and how he had blessed King Solomon, how he had blessed the children of Israel. And it was so amazing to her that it blew her away. You know what this reminds me of? Heaven's better. And when we get there, we're all going to be blown away. Can I get an amen to that? No matter how great you think heaven's going to be, it's going to be way better than that. Uh, believe me, I have great expectations for heaven, and I still know that my finite mind cannot grasp the greatness of our infinite God. Amen? And so heaven is going to just blow us away. Heaven's going to be so amazing. Imagine, we're going to see Jesus face to face. Does that not get, if that doesn't get you excited, you need to get saved. Can I get an amen? We're going to see Jesus face to face. We're going to see the nail prints in his hands. There's going to be the host of angels around the throne singing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Guys, it's the best retirement plan ever. It is no better 401k than heaven. Can I get an amen? amen? And the greatness of our God is going to blow us away. And this is what's happened. She's seen Solomon. She's heard his wisdom. And she's seen how God has blessed the children of Israel. And when she looks upon it, it just takes the wind right out of her. Again, we get before God. I hear people say, when I get to heaven, I got questions for God. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You're going to be flat on your face with the rest of us. Can I get an amen to that? And we're, yes, Lord, you had questions, stop it. And so the reality is here, I just love this picture that when she saw what God had done, when she saw the power of God to, to work in a man like Solomon, when she had seen the blessing. Now remember, just 400 years earlier, they were in bondage in Egypt. And then they wandered in the wilderness. And then they came into a land filled with giants and they were fearful. And now they're the greatest nation in the world. God's hand is upon them. They're blessed beyond measure to the point where all other people are blown away by them. And people have a, a great respect for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, God did not bless them with riches so they could be comfortable. God blessed them so other people would recognize that their God is God. Can I get an amen to that? 
See, the whole point is that we should be provoking people to jealousy, not by the car we drive, but the joy that we have in our hearts because of who we know. Amen? It's the joy of the Lord that takes away all of the, all the fear and the anxiety and the worry and, the, and, and the, you know, the sovereignty of God. Doesn't it just bring a peace to your heart to know who's in control? To know that no matter who, went, who won the election or wins the election, that God is still on the throne? And praise God for that. And we need to continue to have that heart. And so the queen of Sheba, just the wind's knocked out of her. This is a woman who's royalty. This is a very wealthy woman, a position, and she's in a position of great power. But when she comes and sees the place where God's hand is, looking back at her place, nothing compares. And the same is true for us when we stand before Almighty God. I've had people say, well, I don't want to go to heaven yet because I, I want to get a promotion at work first. I'm like, how stupid are you? heaven's better. Can I get an amen? You know, I was, I was saying the other day, we, we, we have not because we ask not. And, you know, whenever I go to India, they, you know, and only God knows when they tell you this, and I've heard it a hundred times. I'm not exaggerating. And they'll tell me, how? I'll say, how did you get saved? Oh, one, here's one guy's testimony. He was my interpreter. Three times I went to, I went to India seven times. Three of them, he was my interpreter. Guy's legit, loves Jesus, sold out. Been imprisoned several times for his faith and just will not waver in his faith. I said, how did you get saved? He said, my mom died and we lived in a village and we were, we were uh, Hindus. So we were going to burn her body and she'd been dead for like four days. So we had her body up on this thing. We we're about to set her on fire. And this guy walked up and walked over to her body and laid hands on her and prayed for her. And she got up and he goes, and guess what? Our whole family got saved and so did the whole village. And now we're all serving Jesus. And I'm like, you know, and of course, you know, we're people of faith. Really? You know what I mean? <laughs> Are you sure? And I kept hearing this time after time. But you know what? They pray for people to be raised from the dead and we don't. Amen? We have not because we ask not. But I did say on Sunday, and I mean it, if I die, don't pray for me to come back because I don't want to come back. I want no part of it. Can I get an amen? Because I'll be in heaven blown away and I ain't coming back to this place. No thanks. Can I get an amen to that? But the reality is we serve such a great God. And when she saw the power of what God can do, it just knocked the wind out of her. And sometimes we have to go through trials so people can see the greatness of what God can do so it can knock the wind out of them. And they might say, what is it you have? And we can point them to Jesus. You don't have to advertise the fire. People are coming from 1,200 miles away. And do you think queen, the Queen of Sheba is going to tell more people about it? Of course she is. Here's what's happened. People are coming and they're in awe of the wisdom that God has given Solomon. And they're in awe of the blessing that God has poured out upon the children of Israel. So everybody who comes and seeks wisdom goes away and tells everybody else. And now they're coming from the far ends of the earth. And I see, I love how, again, you don't have to advertise the fire. When God's doing something great, God will draw people by his spirit. I remember going to Calvary Costa Mesa as a kid, meeting in a tent, walking in a bunch of hippies. I mean, sitting on the floor, no shoes on. And I was raised in a Baptist church with bringing in the sheaves, right? You know, I never understood why the guy did this up at the front. I never got it. But he, they went up there and it was just painful. You know, turn to hymnal number 117. We're going to sing verses 1, 3, and 4. You never sing them all. I'm not sure why. And I went bringing in, the, you know. So I go into this tent and I walk in there with all these hippies. I'm used to the little black tie in, this, in a suit, 
right? And when you go to church, you sit like this, and you know, and, and they play the organ, and you do the. Bring, and I walk in, and people on the grass, people on the floor, people sitting down. And I sat next to this hippie, and he handed me his Bible. I said, "Young man, here's a Bible. You have your Bible." And it was the first time I saw someone highlight a Bible. I didn't know you could do that. And he had drawn in his Bible and had a little cover on his Bible, and then mustard seed faith came out and led worship. Odin fought, and there, you know, brung, I'm, I'm looking at my mom like, are we allowed? Is this okay? Can, can worship music actually be good? Is that all right? Can we actually be singing praise songs? And, and, you know, an hour and a half of worship, and everybody's, you know, love, love, this is our song. And, and then a guy comes out and preaches the gospel. Chuck Smith with mutton chops and Hawaiian shirt, bald guy, comes out, preaches to a bunch of hippies. 150 people go forward and get saved. We go back the next night, same thing happens again. Book of Acts happening. Guess what? Nobody had to advertise for Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa because people were coming from all over the place. It was on the front of Time magazine. It's called the Jesus Movement. Guys, when God is moving, God will draw all men unto himself. Can I get an amen? When he is lifted up, he will draw men unto himself. So these people are coming from a great distance. Now, one thing we're not going to see Solomon do in this entire chapter, I'm giving it away. He doesn't mention the Lord once. People are coming from a great distance and you're giving them wise counsel, but what you should have been giving them is God. Can I get an amen to that? It should have been every question. Oh, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do with this in my marriage. I don't know what to do with my kingdom. I don't know what to do with my kid. Whatever the question is, and he goes, here's the answer. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You need to surrender your life to the Lord. Amen. When people come to us, The answer we need to give them is the answer that will impact their eternity. It's Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead. Amen? And look for every opportunity to do so. Look at verse 6 and 7. It says there, She said to the king, It was a true report. What I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. Dude, I heard about you. I didn't think it could be real. But I I was intrigued enough to travel for a couple of months or however long it took to go 1,200 miles. And I'm just blown away because everything I heard about you was true. Everything I heard about you was true. By the way, everything we read about Jesus is true. Amen? Everything we know about what the Word of God teaches about him is true. And again, so often we hear great claims about people and places, and we end up disappointed when we see it for ourselves. But Solomon's wisdom revealed not only the words he's, in the words he spoke, but in the majesty of the kingdom was even greater than the outrageous claims she had heard. Then she says this in verse 7, however, I did not believe the words until I came and saw them with my own eyes. And indeed, the half that was not told to me, your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame from which I've heard. Guys, we we need to not be satisfied with letting somebody else go talk to God and come back and tell us about it. Amen? You know, would you, if you had a choice, would you rather go to the Bahamas on vacation yourself or let somebody else go and come back and show you some pictures? (laughs) And yet that's what some people do with the relationship with the Lord. Now look, I'm not trying to work myself out of a a calling or anything, right? But the reality is you should get way more from the Lord in your own devotional time than you ever get here on Sundays and Thursdays. Because you can spend time with the Lord all the time. Can I get an amen to that? And when you open up the Bible, you open it, read it, obey it. Amen? But we got to make it a priority. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Guys, that needs to, he needs to be the priority and the passion of our life. And if we don't spend time in his presence, if we just let me go hang out with him for 40 hours and then come tell you what he showed me, you know, I'd say this all the time. God made me a pastor because he knew I needed to be in the Bible 40 hours a week because I'm a knucklehead. Can I get an amen to that? And so, you know, Sundays and Thursdays come real regular around here. That's what all the staff says all the time. Hey, Sundays and Thursdays. Doesn't matter what's going on in life. Doesn't matter how busy, how busy work is. You got to make time to be ready to stand up and preach God's word. And guys, guess what? We need to make time to spend time with the Lord. Amen. And in his presence, seeking his face. She did not believe the words until until she came and heard it for herself. You need to hear God's word for yourself. You need to open up the Bible and read it for yourself. You need to come and spend, you know, come to church. You know, there's people out there attacking the word of God. There's people out there denying the deity of Christ. There's people out there chasing after everything else this world has to offer. And again, what does a prophet a man if he gains the whole world, loses his own soul? But when she came and saw for herself, Solomon's wisdom and prosperity far exceeded the famous expectations and claims she had heard. Some of you haven't been saved a long time. Remember what you thought about God before you came to know him. And now that you know him, isn't he way greater than you ever could have imagined? Can I get an amen to that? We have a couple, they won't mind. They're probably watching right now. Hey, Garrett and Kathleen, love you guys. So they got saved during COVID. So whenever everybody gives me heat, why are you open during COVID? Uh, Garrett and Kathleen, uh, Billy, there's other people gotten saved. A lot of people get saved, right? One salvation is worth me being exposed to any virus you want to put in front of me for the next thousand years. Can I get an amen to that? So we want to see people saved. Point I'm making though is it's not, it's when we come and we, we get out of our comfort zone and we come to a place where we hear the word of God for ourselves and we don't just listen to what other people are telling us or, or, or heaven forbid what the media tells us or anybody else has to say. Can I get an amen to that? And we come, we open up the word of God for ourselves and we find a good Bible teaching church and we go and let the word of God be open to us, let the Holy Spirit speak to us. And guys, that's when everything changes. That's why it's forsake not the gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches. Can I get an amen to that? that. And so we will always gather, I promise you, as your pa- and, and if I'm if I'm breathing, we're having church. Amen. So the the words and claims of others are never as grand as seeing it for yourself. Knowing about Jesus based on the words of others or knowing Jesus yourself are two different things. Hearing what other people say about God's word or reading it for yourself again are total conflicts. So number one, you don't have to advertise the fire. The words of wisdom that, got, oh, that can only come from the Lord will draw people to the truth. So we need to be understanding. The, by the way, invite people to church. There are people that, there'll be people that will come to a Christmas Eve service if you invite them. Invite them. The CEO Christians, we need to make sure they at least get here for their twice a year. Can I get an amen? Christmas and Easter only. It's Christmas. It's coming. We're going to share Jesus with them. Point number two, happy is the man or woman who walks in intimate fellowship with the Lord. Now watch what the Queen of Sheba says. Now this is a pagan woman who worships idols. But here's what she says. Happy are your men and happy are these servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. She speaks of how happy and blessed the men are and the women are that have the privilege of hearing his wisdom every single day. Guys, if it's a blessing to serve King Solomon... How much more of a blessing is it to serve King Jesus? Amen? But 
He said, what a blessing that your people who serve you get to hear your wisdom every day. I came all this way and I spent a few days with you hearing your wisdom and they get to hear it every day. Guys, we get to hear the wisdom that comes from God every day, every minute, every hour because the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Amen. And what a blessing that is. Queen of Sheba's, she's actually envious of, of the servants in King Solomon's house. You know what the word of God tells us? It's better. It's better to be a servant in the house of God than a king in any other palace. Can I get an amen to that? She, saying, your servants are so blessed. The people waiting tables in your house are so blessed because they get to be in your presence. They get to hear your wisdom. They get to see what your God is doing. It's better to be a servant in the house of the Lord than a king in a palace anywhere else. The queen of Sheba is envious. And so too will the rich and famous be on judgment day if they don't get saved. Can I get an amen to that? Luke 16, Lazarus and the rich man. You guys know that story? The rich man would walk by and see Lazarus. You know, he was, he was a, a lame beggar. Someone had to carry him there every morning and set him down. And once in a while, that, that, that rich man might throw him a coin. And he walked right by him day after day after day, year after year. And then they both die. And they're in Abraham's bosom, which is the, the, the place. Again, there's no such thing as purgatory. Absent of the body, present of the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? But they get the idea of purgatory because before Jesus died on the cross, with the people who died didn't enter into heaven. They entered into Abraham's bosom, which was basically the waiting room for heaven. Amen. And then after Jesus died on the cross, they were entered into heaven. Jesus did not go into hell when he died. That's false doctrine. Can I get an amen to that? He said, it is finished on the cross of Calvary. But here's the point. There was a chasm between the place of torment, Hades, where uh, the rich man was suffering. And he could look across the great gulf and there's Lazarus. And Lazarus is in the presence of the Lord and the rich man is separated from God. And he looks across the great gulf and he makes a request. Can Lazarus just dip his finger in some water and come put it on my tongue? Can he bring me a little bit of relief? And the Lord says, no, he cannot pass from here to you. You know, the chasm of sin, once you're dead, it cannot be broken. Can I get an amen? It's too late. And then he says, well, can you at least send angels or somebody back to talk to my family? Because I don't want them coming here. The Lord's response is, they will not breathe the prophets and the angel. You know, if they don't be the law and the prophets, they won't believe even if an angel goes back. So the point I make, I, I share that every time I do a funeral. Some of you have been to funerals and I share it every time. Because no matter who died and no matter where they are, they would all tell you the same thing. When I do a funeral, here's what I say. Who would like to hear what this person you love would say if they could come back? And everybody raises their hand. I said, I already know, I know what it is. You ready? Jesus is real. He died on the cross. He's the only way to heaven. Give your life to the Lord. Repent right now. You don't want to spend eternity. If the person's in hell, they don't want you coming there. And if they're in heaven, they definitely want you coming there. Can I get an amen to that? So no matter what, that's the answer. No matter who came back, that's why when these guys say, well, I went to heaven I was up there for three days and then I came back and now I'm selling a book. Uh, if I went to heaven and came back, I wouldn't stop preaching the gospel. Can I get an amen to that? Because it's legit. It's real. So here the woman says, how happy are your servants that they get to be in your presence, that they get to be around your wisdom, that they get to see the move of God. It's better to be a servant again in the house of the Lord than to be, a fam be famous or, or be a prince or be a queen or a king anywhere else. So it says in verse 9, Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you 
setting you on the throne of Israel because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Wow, that came out of the mouth of a pagan idol worshiper. Now, some have debated, did she get saved? I hope so, but I don't think so. Because we're going to see her just, she goes back to her old place and, and, and again, but she recognized enough. Have you ever had anybody say this to you? They don't believe in God, but they'll say, well, if there is a God, it's your God. I had someone say that to me when I was in a coma for a really long time and I finally came back to work and they, and by the grace of God, God had, you know, and they're like, you know, Dave, I don't know that I believe in God, but I know this, if there's a God, it's your God. Now that's not enough, is it? It's not enough to believe, well, if there is a God, it's your God. She's talking about the God of Israel, but you know, a lot of the pagans, they had hundreds of gods and she might've just put the God of Israel on the list with all the other gods. By the way, he cannot be equal to any other God and be God in your life. Can I get an amen to that? He can't be one of many paths. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. All those other gods are dead. We serve a risen living Savior who's triumphed over sin and death. I've been to Israel. I've been to the tomb. He's not there. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for you, and he's coming back to get us soon. Can I get an amen? And that's the God that we serve. And we don't put him on the plane of anything else. We don't compare him to anything else because he alone is a great and an awesome God. Notice how Solomon's being blessed by just being obedient. And we're going to see that obedience starts to fade, sadly. But this is a challenge for us as well, that we can fall into the trap and of, of falling, of being like Solomon. But here's the good news. The Bible says this, and this is for all of us, a challenge for us. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. See, if we live truly obedient lives, they won't glorify us. They'll glorify him. And you notice she's talking about the God of Israel. The God of Israel has chosen to bless you. The God of Israel has poured out his spirit upon you. And because of the God of Israel, he made you king. But she recognizes at least in these words, that the real power comes not from Solomon, but from the Lord. People who are looking for truth ought to be paying attention to the things we say, but even more, they should be taking a look at the lives we live. Amen? You know, sometimes you share your faith with people or you live out loud for the Lord at work or in your family. Some of us are going to be having dinner with family members who aren't saved. Start praying for them now. Amen? And sometimes we just think they're not hearing. And, and God's word does not return void. Just remember that. Keep praying. Keep looking for opportunities to share your faith. And I, I, I had, a, I've told this before. I always make it brief. But I had a Muslim boss, Jehan Jehansus. She was my boss for 15, you know, we worked together for 15 years in San Jose. She was bought my boss for part of that time. She was a Muslim and she would mock my faith over and over. I had a, we had a Bible study at work. It grew, got very large. They started mocking us, calling us the God squad. I loved it. I thought it was great. Are you going to the God squad? I'm like, amen to that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but we're the God squad. And she would open the door and say, say a prayer of the Easter bunny while you're praying to that false God of yours. And you know what? My getting sick and almost dying is the thing that God used because she said, if you get out of the hospital and get back to your church, I'll come that first Sunday. And she came and I gave her a Bible and she didn't get saved right away. She didn't get saved till I moved down here. And one day she called me and I was in the parking lot waiting to see a customer. I led her to the Lord over the phone. And some of you were there when she drove all the way down here so I could baptize her out here in Malibu. Guys, God's word does not return void. Amen. 
and we need to keep sharing our faith. And guys, it's up to the Lord. We obey, that's up to us. But the fruit that comes from our obedience is up to the Lord. God's the one who brings it, amen? And so let's be obedient. Let's let the Lord, let's be tools in the hands of the master. Now notice what happens is finally, then she gave the king 120 talents of gold. That's 9,000 pounds of gold. I took 9,000 pounds times 16 ounces times 1882.60. That's the price of gold today. I checked. It comes out to $271 million. Man, that is a high price therapy session. Can I get an amen? I get to ask a few questions. Here's $271 million. Not only did she give him 9,000 pounds of gold, she brought him spices. Uh, the region she came from was known for its spices. This beautiful and valuable wood and precious stones. Now, part of what's happening here is these riches are being brought over and over and over again, but it's going to seem to insinuate later that you didn't get an audience with King Solomon unless you brought him something. And I think this is where riches start taking the place of having a heart of a servant. And hard to imagine that someone would use religion to make money. (laughs) Turn on religious television sometimes. And then bragging about their jets and their, it's nauseating. It's tragic. So point number two, happy is a man or woman who has intimate fellowship with the Lord. It says there, gold in great quantity. There never again came such substance, substance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. So, the, so he was given quantities of great gifts of great value. Verse 11, where your treasures, there your heart will be also. It says also the ships of Haram, which brought gold to, uh, from Ophir, brought great quantities of almagwood and precious stones from Ophir. And the king made the steps of almagwood for the house of the Lord and for the king's house and also harps and stringed instruments for singers. There never again came such almagwood nor was there like been seen to this day. So the wood was so precious and valuable that Solomon used it to put steps up to the temple and to the king's house and to make instruments from it using this very precious, uh, rare and fine wood. So this unsaved pagan queen gave to Solomon and God's people the very best she had. Now think about that. This pagan queen who doesn't know God, who worships idols, gave the very best she had to God's people. As Christians, how in the world can we, who know the King of kings and Lord of lords, not give him the best that we have? Can I get an amen to that? I want to just, when do you read your Bible? I want to encourage you, read it when you're awake. (laughs) Amen? Am I the only person who ever has put your Bible reading to the end of the day? By the way, all over the Bible, it says, greet me in the morning, in the morning, in the morning. I found that when I start my day with the Lord, I have a better day. Can I get an amen with that? And you know what? A lot of times too, your day's so busy and then you give God the leftovers at the end of the night and you wake up drooling on your Bible. Amen. And so we need to give God the best, not the rest. When a pagan queen travels 2,400 miles round trip and gives the, the people of God and the, you know, Solomon the very best she has, how can we as Christians give God our leftovers? Both our time, our talents, our resources, give to God, seek first the kingdom of God. By the way, does God need your money? What's the answer? He doesn't need your money. We don't pass an offering for that. We never have. We never will. I don't care how big the church, church in Santa Cruz got the 12. We never pass an offering. We're not doing that. Why? Because we don't want people tipping God. Amen? 
Isn't it the truth? The bucket's coming. Oh, I better. I don't want to look like a heathen. What do I got? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, I got to put something in there. And if you got a dollar, you just fold it up, make it look like it's something. And, you know. and there's this thing where people are tipping God. We had a purpose in our heart beforehand, and we give to the Lord because God loves a cheerful giver. And if you can't give it cheerfully, keep it. Amen? And you know where God guides, God provides. He's got the cattle on a thousand hills. So we're never going to have a thermometer on the wall and we're not going to, you know, we're not doing any of that. Well, God will provide. You give as the Lord. And by, I, here's my saddest part about people who don't give. You're missing out on the blessing that comes when you make God the priority of your life. Amen. Because guess what? We count out, give. if we gave him everything we have, would it be enough for what he's already done for us? Absolutely not. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. So this unsaved pagan queen gives to Solomon and God's people the very, very best that she had. And how much more as we got, as God's children, forgiven, redeemed, going to heaven, filled with the Holy Spirit, give to the Lord the best of our time, our talents, and our resources. Verse 13. Now King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asks, beside what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity. So she turned and went to her own country she and her servants. Now, when a queen comes or a king comes, there is this uh, a generosity that was, was given to people of royalty. So they would exchange gifts. A lot of times they would bring gifts from their land and you would give them gifts from your land. But she had came to bring this great offering because she comes seeking wisdom. And then we see that Solomon returns it. Again, you can't outgive God. We'll never be able to bless God more than he's already blessed us. Amen. You know, Jesus spoke with the queen of Sheba in Matthew. Uh, he says this, the queen of Sheba, the queen of the South, it says, but it's the queen of Sheba, will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, those who should have been looking for the Messiah, those who should have recognized him as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he says to them, the queen of Sheba is going to stand in judgment over you guys because she came you know, from half a world away just to hear from Solomon and you're standing right here and a greater than Solomon is standing right in front of you. And they didn't cry out in repentance. They cried out, crucify him. Amen. And so having a lot of uh, opportunity for the gospel makes us more accountable, I think. Can I get an amen to that? Who has, has there ever been anybody who's ever lived that has more uh, exposure to the gospel than us? The Christian radio stations. When I was in high school, there no Christian. If there was, it was, you know, it was teaching. There was no Christian. I worked at a music store and I had, I had about 1,200 albums. I'm not exaggerating. I worked at a place called Musicland. We used to get albums for cheap. And I had all these albums. And then I went to a concert one time and I was so convicted by the lyrics that I said, I'm out. And I took them. I, I should have burned them. I took them all and left them on my friend's doorstep. He was very happy. But then I went to find Christian albums. And, and I, you know, I found a few. Played Bob Dylan's slow train to come until the thing burnt up. You know what I mean? <laughs> God gave names all the animals, right? <laughs> you got to save somebody, right? And I just listened to, you know, I had three albums. Just play them over and over and over. But, you know, the fact that there was the truth of God's word, and I was so excited about it and having that exposure to the word of God. And, and it's so tragic that people who have access to the truth are walking away from it. 
The people that have, have the worship. We have commentaries on the Bible. We have, we, you come to church, oh, which Bible matches my purse? Let me see. We have so many Bibles, amen? And we have, and we have, we have you know, we, there's Christian television. Some of it's not so Christian. But the point is, we have more exposure than anybody who's ever lived. And we're going to be more accountable because of that, amen? And Lord, help us. We don't need more exposure. We just need to, be fa- to, to respond to what we've been exposed to, amen? It's mind-boggling from the perspective of heaven that a pagan queen would make such a great sacrifice to seek wisdom and truth, but religious leaders of Israel would reject the very Son of God and the Messiah they thought they said they were looking for. So point number three, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's tragic when a, when a pagan queen gives more than people who say they love God. Point number four, from wisdom and riches to riches and wisdom. Here we go. Here's where the downfall, we're going to start seeing it. And neon lights, here it comes. The weight of the gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. Yeah, people go, 666. You know, keep one of those talents. 665 sounds better. (laughs) Throw in an extra one. And I've, I saw people kind of messing with the word saying maybe he's a type of the Antichrist. The only thing I, 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 and I don't like to speak into silence. I will say this. The one thing Solomon has in common with the Antichrist is he starts out where everybody's praising him and where everybody, uh, he starts out well and he's being used and he has great wisdom and people are coming to him and he's, he's, he's given great wisdom and he's ministering to people. And in the end, he falls apart. And that's what the Antichrist will do. The Antichrist is going to rise up after the church has been raptured. We're gone. But look what the virus has done to the world. Imagine if you take the Holy Spirit out of here. What a mess this place is going to be. Can I get an amen to that? So you take the the church away and you leave the rest of the world here to have at it. And there's going to be starvation and war. It's going to be a mess. And there's going to be somebody who comes along and brings the answer. And when he does... He's going to draw all the nations together. There's going to be a one world religion. And then halfway through, three and a half years into tribulation, he's going to go into the temple and he's basically going to, he's going to sacrifice a pig. And he's, you know, it's called the abomination of desolation. And he's going to proclaim himself to be the Messiah. And that's when all the Jews, many of the Jews are going to get saved. And in the last three and a half years, you're going to die for your faith. Guys, if you want to avoid all that, just get saved tonight. Amen. Amen. We don't need to be here for that. Praise the Lord. 666 talents of gold annually. Uh, it's $1.5 billion a year. This is just the gold he's getting. This is not the money people bring him when they want wisdom. This is not the stuff that people are bringing him as gifts. He's making $1.5 billion a year. That's just coming to him annually, more than 50,000 pounds of gold. It says there, besides that, from the traveling merchants, from the income of the traders, from all the kings of Arabia, from the governors of the country. So he starts taxing people. So he's already got more money than anybody who's ever lived. He's got more money. We'll see as we go through this. You couldn't even spend it all if you tried. And yet he's going to put heavy taxes on all the people that trade within his kingdom. And he's going to tax the neighboring countries around him, threatening them that they don't pay Uh, they don't give him money, that they'll they'll destroy them. And so guess what? When Solomon dies, his son's going to inherit a mess because there's going to be people that aren't happy about being taxed into the ground. Uh, They feel comfortable in California. Can I get an amen? And so you see that 
he's kind of riches is kind of becomes his theme. We haven't seen Solomon talk about God yet, but boy, he's taxing people and he's getting money, getting more money, getting more money. And we're going to see how he starts spending some of this money. It's, it's out of control. Then it says there in verse 16, and King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold and 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. 600 shekels is 71 pounds of gold. 71 pounds of gold. So it was $211,000 for every shield that he made. That'd be like a nice house in Nebraska. Can I get an amen? And he made 300 of those, but they're made of gold. You don't use gold in battles because gold is heavy and it's soft. So it doesn't work. So you know what he did? He made 300 shields. Those 300 shields cost him over $40 million. And then he made, it says there after that, he made, in verse 17, he also made 300 shields of hammered gold. Three minas of gold went into each shield. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. They basically were wall decorations. And between the two was $70 million worth of wall decorations. And I thought my wife's, you know, decorating was expensive sometimes. $70 million for shields they threw up on a wall. Lord help. Can I get an amen? This is a man who's trying to figure out ways to spend money. And this is the focus of his life. He's just wants to be richer. You know, they, you've heard me say this. They asked uh, J. Paul Getty, how much money do you need to be happy? And he said a little bit more. They said, what is it? 1 million, 10 million, 50 million, 100 million. Was there a billion? What was the number? He said a little bit more. See, your flesh will never be satisfied. You need more. And King Solomon's fallen into that trap. King Solomon's becoming a man where it was about wisdom and riches. Now it's about riches and wisdom. And we're going to see that when we get to verse 23. Now notice what else he does here. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. First of all, ivory's amazing. Amen. Isn't ivory beautiful? So you make one out of ivory. I don't know how long that took and who the craftsmen were. And then you pour gold all over it so you can't see the ivory anymore. And then it says this, the throne had six steps and the top throne was around the back and there were armrests on either side of the place of the seat and two lions stood besides the armrest and 12 lions stirred there, one on each side of the sixth step, nothing like what was made for any other kingdom. So he's kind of feeling good about being the king. And he builds a throne for himself that's six steps up. So he's up here and everyone else is down here. And lions were a sign of royalty. And so he had 12 lions. Each step had two lions on each side. And he's sitting up on his big ivory throne with lions on each side. This doesn't sound like a guy who's serving, but someone who's seeking to be served. Amen. Now, again, he's the, you know, the king of kings, our savior. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. He deserves to be served. Can I get an amen? But here we have this king who's so caught up in himself you know, the lions are the king of the beast. So they're looked at as, and he, no throne ever has been like it before. By the way, we already saw it when he built the temple. It took him seven years. It took him twice as long to build his house. The temple was spectacular. His house was even better. And again, you'd think it was Benny Hinn or somebody. Building a house, you know, so ridiculous for himself and giving less to the Lord when he had asked for wisdom to begin with. It's just mind-blowing. Solomon's house, again, was larger than the temple. He became full of himself. He's headed toward, sadly, he's, he's headed toward destruction. And it says there in verse, nine, uh, verse 20, 12 lines. Now, verse 21. 
It says all King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold because you can't drink water out of anything but gold, right? All King Solomon, they were made of gold. All the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver, but this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. Get that silver chalice out of here. I mean, silver is a precious metal, but he's living in such a way that he's living this, you know, this entitled I'm royalty, gold everywhere. And they're taking it from people that are working and he's putting it in, you know, to his own house for his own pleasure, for his own glory, if you will. Now watch this. This is even crazier. Look what, it's, look what it says here. For the king had, a mer- had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram. One, once every three years, the merchant ships, now the, so he had merchant ships we know in the Red Sea. These are in the Mediterranean. So they would travel to like the north of Africa and they would go places and take some of that money he's made and spend it, but also go and collect taxes from other people to bring it back. And look at some of the things that were brought to him. Once every three years, the merchant ships were bringing gold because he needs more, silver, ivory, apes and monkeys. They're bringing apes and monkeys. Now, I, I read through some commentaries and some historical writers, and they said the kings in those days often, especially a guy like Solomon who loved to learn, that they, a lot of times they would create their own private zoo. They would literally bring animals from all over the world and put them in cages on their property so that their family and people who visit them could go see these animals. And so we know that Solomon loved to learn. He was a man of learning. He was a man who loved uh, you know, to read and study. And so he, he wanted things from all over the world and they were being brought to him. Have we heard him talk about Jesus? Anything about Jesus? I mean, not Jesus, but God, right? We, anything about God so far? It's all about what Solomon's getting, what Solomon's taking, what Solomon has. And there's seemingly very little thought about the Lord. It's funny that the word merchant ships there in verse 22, in the original language, it literally means ships of Tarshish. Um, and so this was a, um, in the Mediterranean Sea, and they would go there and bring things back. And Solomon's second fleet, again, was in the Red Sea, but this fleet is the one that would bring him things from different parts of the world. So this King Solomon, he's the richest man on the planet. He's got more power than anybody on the planet. He's got everything that you could offer the world. But he had been warned there were three things. It's in Deuteronomy, three things that kings are not to multiply. It says in Deuteronomy 17, you're not to multiply gold. Oh, how's he doing on that? Fail. Fail. Not to multiply chariots. We're coming up on it. And he's not to multiply wives. If you get to chapter 11, Solomon has 700 wives and 300 concubines. So he's multiplying gold. That's what we've been seeing so far. So we know it's contrary to the word of God because all he's doing is getting as much gold as possible. And now he's, he's making wall hangings with $70 million worth of gold. He has so much gold, he has no way, he didn't know how to use it. And again, his focus is being taken off of the Lord. Look what it says in verse 23. So the king surpassed all the kings of the earth in what? Riches and wisdom. Back in verse seven, it says wisdom and it's wisdom comes first. Back in verse seven, it says wisdom and prosperity. Now it says riches and wisdom. Because the priority of his life before had been the wisdom of God. Now the priority of his life was chasing after riches of this world. It's interesting, he's, again, what he's being known for. It says in Ecclesiastes, you know who wrote that? Who wrote Ecclesiastes? Who wrote that? 
Solomon. It says this in Ecclesiastes 5. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to you to help you spend it. So what good is wealth? Except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. You know, greed is never satisfied. You can never get enough. Learn to work hard, trust God, and you will sleep well. Amen. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. And those who are pursuing wealth will never, ever be contented. Point number five, salvation is a free gift. Look at verse 24 and 25. Now, all, all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put in his heart. See, the wisdom came from God, but now Solomon is taking the glory. Solomon is taking the riches. Solomon is taking the fame. Solomon is taking everything else. See, God gave it to him. So guys, if you have a gift, who gave it to you? Who gave it to you? The Lord did. If you're, if you're intelligent, who gave you your intelligence? Who did it? Who did it? God did. If, you're, if you have a, a supernatural gifting in any area of life, God did. So guys, we're the tool in the hand of the master. You've heard me say this a hundred times. You know, when you go to the dentist and you've got a bad toothache and he uses a drill to get the pain out and you walk and now the filling's been done and the root canal's been done and you feel better, you don't praise the drill, you thank the dentist. Can I get an amen? And we shouldn't be praising men, we should be praising God. Amen? Because any gift we have was a gift from God, and God alone should be the one who gets the glory. Now, look, you do your job as unto the Lord. If you're a student, you study hard as unto the Lord, and you work hard for it, and God bless you when you do well. But again, we need to point to the Lord as the one who gave us the ability to work hard and to study and to use the gifts he's given us. Notice what it says there in verse 25. Each man brought his present, articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules at a set rate year by year. So there was a set rate of what they had to bring to Solomon every year. And he was taxing people and they were having to bring some kind of tribute to even receive counsel from him. And so basically wisdom, he had become a man who was for hire, not a man who had the heart of a servant. Salvation is a free gift. Amen. It's a free gift. We don't need to go pay someone 500 bucks an hour to give us wisdom. Amen. You know why? Because we have this. Amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, and he is the mighty counselor. We walk not in the counsel of the ungodly and we don't need to run to the world for answers. We need to run to the Lord. Wisdom and truth, the gospel and salvation are all free for us, but it costs our savior everything. Amen. Finally, May we never be so successful, we cease to be desperate for God. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen who he stationed in the chariot cities with the king at Jerusalem. So he's not to multiply gold, and he's not to multiply horses and chariots. He's been multiplying gold, and now he's multiplying. So a chariot in King Solomon's day, was the greatest uh, weapon available. It would be the equivalent of a, a tank in World War II, maybe. 
It was the equivalent of something because, you know, when, when chariots were coming and you're standing there flat footed and they're coming at you full speed, a lot of times they had razors out the side of them and the wheels. They would just cut people off at the feet. And when you had chariots, you could rule the world. Well, he has 1,400 chariots. Here's the problem with getting too much weaponry because, again, Solomon's a wise man and he knows a lot. Now he's, you know, he's been, you know, he knows a lot about wood now. He's got all these trees coming. He knows a lot about, you know, animals. Well, he knows a lot about gold. He's got plenty of it. Well, now he's mounting up this great army. And here's the problem. If we have an army that's so great, we'll cease to be desperate for God because he is the one who protects us ultimately. Amen. And so for this king who could they, could anybody have touched Israel? if God said, no, what's the answer? What's the answer? David slew Goliath. Why? A, a, a teenage boy with a rock killed the, maybe the greatest soldier on the planet, 11 foot 750, covered in armor, and a, and a ruddy teenage boy who was delivering cheese to his brothers. And every time that, came, that Goliath came down to the bottom of the Valley of Eli, you know, I defy you, you know, who's a God that will, do, you know, and he's just challenging them day after day, and everybody runs away hiding. And then David shows up into the camp. He'd already been anointed king of Israel. The Holy Spirit had already been poured out on him. See, when David showed up in the camp, the Holy Spirit showed up in the camp. Amen? And he saw a puny man against Almighty God, where everybody else saw a giant. He, saw, who's, he said, who's this uncircumcised Philistine that comes against my God? And his brothers are like, go back and take care of the sheep. You know, shepherd boy, get out of here. And David, David said, I'll fight him. And Saul had already been told by God that he was going to die. And so he didn't want to fight him because he knew he would die. So he was just glad anybody would do it. He tried to put his armor on David. It didn't fit because we don't go, we don't do God, great things for God man's way. Amen. And David goes out and charges at him. Guys, as Christians, we should be, have that kind of a fearless life when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, that we're not afraid of what the world can do to us because our God is in control and he's greater than anything we will ever face. Amen. Keep your eyes off the waves in the storm and keep your eyes on the Lord in the boat. Amen. Seek you first his kingdom. And so Solomon has multiplied possessions and now he's multiplying weapons. 12,000 horsemen. He's multiplying horses. He's multiplying gold and silver, which he's not supposed to do. 1,400 chariots. Now, have you guys ever heard of a guy named uh, Josephus? You know who that is? Josephus is not a, not a believer, not a Christian, but he was an historian. And he, would, he was a Jewish historian, and he wrote history. And, and if you read a lot of Josephus' reading, it lines up with, with Scripture, because the Bible's true. Can I get amen to that? But one of the things he said about these horsemen, he said, these writers were more like ornaments, being in the first place young men of most delightful uh, flower of age, being eminent for their largeness, fall tall, far taller than all other men. They also had very long uh, heads of hair hanging down. They were clothed in garments of Tyrrhenian purple. And they also had dust, gold dust sprayed in their hair every day, sprinkled in their hair. So their heads sparkled with the reflection of the sunbeams from the gold in their hair as they passed by. So he's got these guys who are going out in front of him, these bunch of, you know, Thor looking characters, right? And they've got gold in their hair and they're going out before him. And then they got the chariots coming in behind him. And it's this big majestic parade. But you're putting your faith in the wrong thing. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. Amen. So he's multiplying horses. Don't multiply chariots. 
God knew they would put their faith in the military instead of the Lord. Don't multiply gold and silver, faith in their bank account instead of faith in the Lord. And then we'll see next week, do not multiply wives. God created marriage for one man with one woman for a lifetime. Amen? We're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not date someone who's not saved or dating a dead person if you do. Amen? And you know what? Here's one of the reasons why. He said, if you intermingle with unbelievers, they will draw you away after their foreign gods. The first person we see David marrying, or David Solomon marrying in scripture, is uh, the Pharaoh's daughter, an Egyptian. We get to next week's chapter. He's going to be drawn away. He's going to abandon the Lord. He's going to reject God completely. This man of great wisdom, this man who had been given wisdom by God and used mightily by God, sadly, it's all going to fall apart. Last few verses. The king makes silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. He made cedar trees. Uh, as abundant as sycamores, which are in the lower land. So silver was like rocks. It, was of no, it would just be laying on the ground. Uh, cedar trees, the cedars of Lebanon were what was used to build the temple, and they were of great value. But he brought so many cedars into town, he brought, there was so much of them there that they became very common. It says, also Solomon had horses imported from Egypt in Kiva, and the king's merchants brought them, bought them in Kiva at their current price. Now a chariot was imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver, a horse for 150. And thus through their agents, they exported them to the kings of, of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. This guy's the richest man who's ever lived. And he's now trading horses. He's buying horses from one place, bringing them in, marking them up and selling them to other people. Your flesh will never be sad. He's got more money than anybody who's ever lived will ever have. And instead of studying other things and instead of pursuing wealth, he should have been studying his Bible and pursuing the Lord. Amen? What does a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? The older Solomon gets, the wealthier he gets, and the more he slips away from where he needs to be. It says in 1 Timothy, we just saw this about a month ago on a Sunday morning, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith into greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And then God gave Moses those instructions for the, I want to read this verse, we'll close with it. The three things to be careful about, it's in Deuteronomy 17, verse 16 and 17. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor causes people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. Where was he buying the horses? Egypt. Egypt. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Check one, check two, check three. Everything God told not to do, he did. And guys, the way the transgressor is hard. We're seeing Solomon go down these dangerous trails. And next week, we're going to see these choices that he's made, finish him off separated from God. So in closing, what is a prophet of man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You don't have to advertise a fire. Can I get an amen to that? When God's doing a great work, God draws all men into himself. If he be lifted up, he'll draw them into himself. Happy is the man or woman who walks in intimate fellowship with the Lord. When we're obedient, God is glorified. We get blessed. Where your treasures, there your heart will be also. 
we are to give the Lord the best of our time, talents, and resources. When the Queen of Sheba is giving God her best, how can we as his children not do the same? From wisdom and riches to riches and wisdom, what are you pursuing in life? What do you wake up in the morning thinking about? Does, does your pursuit of wealth make you the most happy, more happy than anything else? We can all fall into that trap. Be careful. Salvation is a free gift. Uh, Christ-centered ministry focuses on people, not profits. And may we never be so successful that we cease to be desperate for God. Don't have any, if you're multiplying anything in your life that's taking your eyes off the Lord, it's time to get rid of it. Amen. It's time to put that aside and put it to death. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. Thank you for everyone's patience tonight. Lord, be glorified in our lives. May we not be satisfied with saved souls and wasted lives. May we not be people who uh, have religion, but have a relationship. And Lord, you know everyone's heart who's here. You know mine. Lord, if there's anything in our lives right now that we've put above you, that we've made it more important than you, that it's the thing that we focus on more than you, Lord, show us. May we repent. May we get on our knees and surrender our lives fully to you. May we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, knowing then and only then will all these things be added unto us. Lord, we pray in this coming week, give us divine appointments and opportunities to share the hope that lies within us, to point people to you. Lord, you are the reason for this season. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said...